One, two, three, four. Palapalooza. Palapalooza. We're talking to you. I'm Palapalooza. San Diego, thanks for tuning in to Palapalooza. This week we check in with Josh Kimball, the frontman for the legendary band here in San Diego, Dogwood, active from 94 to 2004. We chat about their early years playing Soma, playing with bands like Melancholin, Yellow Card, touring with POD, and much more. He's got some new side projects going on, and we talk about that as well. Hope you enjoy. Josh Kimball, Dogwood. Josh Kimball, Troy Cook, Palapalooza. How are you, sir? Hi there. Doing well, thanks. A whole lot of nothing going on these days, huh? With the music scene? <laughs> uh, or as much as possible, I guess, if you look at it that way. As much as possible, yeah. Musicians are certainly adapting and being creative during this downtime. Yeah. You know, I thought I'd reach out to you, dude. I've been playing in bands since 98 here in San Diego. Uh, similar genre as, as Dogwood. Uh, my very first show was at Soma with you guys, Pivot, oh, right. Lucky Seven, and I think it was Agent Fifty One. I mean, talk about like a banger local show, dude. That, that sounds like a summer slam. I think it was a summer slam, dude. Exactly. Yeah, it's probably <laughs> what, three dollars or some shit. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a good good bill of San Diego right there. Let's talk about Dogwood, man. I mean, I've been. Checking you out on social media, obviously, you guys, you seem to be pushing merch uh, sales right now, right? You're selling some merch. Oh, uh, I just did a, uh, that was kind of a fundraiser, actually. For We did like a, a pre-order only thing to raise some money for the, you know, the City Heights community who's helping out with COVID relief and stuff like that. So just not really making money for the band, but just selling stuff and putting all the money towards the, the cause. Going to a good cause. Yeah. That did pretty good. And that's already done. I'll just make the shirts. <laughs> what is up with, with Dogwood, dude? Are you guys still active? Do you have any plans once this is, you know, passed to, to release some new stuff? What's what's going on? Uh, not not as, I think, as the entity of Dogwood. It's more like that's that's kind of like resting period, laid to rest kind of thing. Uh, the numbers, you know, there's we've had a few different members. So I um, we, we just write music with whoever's available to write music. I, I did it some stuff as under the name St. Didicus. So yeah. it's, uh, it's, you know, like our bass player, Jason also plays guitar. So he did a song with me. Uh, I mean, I sang on some music that he wrote and then Danny was our guitar player for a long time. He, him and I, we record music every once in a while. We haven't really released anything per se. And, and uh, the only thing I think Dogwood has, uh, would do now would be to like, if somebody wanted to re-release an old, old record on vinyl or something like that, you know, um, like as far as, quote-unquote new music it would just be in a new format maybe maybe remastered and remixed but um i don't think we'll be playing any shows anytime soon you know that's for sure <laughs> yeah i mean right now is is crazy I've, I've checked in with a few venues a lot of people seem to be in the dark uh, as to when local shows will start back up but it seems like tours are done until 2021 huh yeah i had a lot of stuff on the calendar to go see because i try i try and stay active in that sense of either 
going to everybody's shows, find, you know, local stuff. Oh, you do? Cool. Uh, that's all, all, all the local venues where everyone's playing. But, uh, yeah. And, of course, touring bands coming through. Um, I I like to go to as many shows as possible. But it's kind of a weird time in that sense for, you know, just as a, as a concert goer and a music lover to not be able to do that. So as musicians, we try and find ways to, to stay active and, you know, help each other out by... <laughs> keeping each other active saying, Hey, let's do this song together. You know, do like an Instagram video collaboration kind of thing, or, yeah. or just finish an old demo that we never finished kind of thing, you know? Absolutely. So, I've been doing stuff like that. Yeah. Lots of collaborations, lots of parodies. I'm sure you've seen. <laughs> yeah. Everything's, um, yeah, I mean, it is, like you said, a dark, you know, slower time for the concert scenes, but it could be a fun time to try new things. Absolutely. Sort of adapt. Who are some local bands you're into right now, dude? I want to say you know Nick Lenari from Mainsail, correct? That's right. Yeah, he he's, he actually uh, well, you know, said you should you should go uh, you should talk to Troy at Palapalooza. It's a pretty fun, pretty fun little thing or Palapalooza. Palapalooza, yeah, cool. He shouted you out. Okay, okay, cool. Right on. I love Nick. Uh, he's he's like you should do it. And then you know Marcos uh, was like, hey, yeah, I'm gonna talk, I'm gonna be on this this this. Uh, this guy's show. I was like, cool. And the next thing you know, here we are talking. So, <laughs> we hear a lot of good things. But You're connected with Marcos, huh? POD a little bit? Yeah, he and I are doing some some collaborative stuff, you know, mu- musically just for fun. Um, well, 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 like I said, while everyone's kind of sitting around waiting. Wow. Let's finish these little demos. But yeah, local guys are like, you know, the Mainsail, War Fever. Nice, dude. I still talk to a lot of the the old musicians are still doing things, you know, because they want to find out when they're gonna their bands are gonna be coming through town and stuff like that too. So, awesome. Um, it'll be a while, of course, now when we can see them. But you know, people who have moved moved away or um, yeah. Actually, the beautiful mistake is uh, one of our old band members band, and they just released a new EP that's super super killer. Dope. I'll insert that now. I have not heard of them, man. I'm a, I'm good friends with War Fever though, and obviously Main Sale. Uh, we had BJ on. We've t- I've talked with Nick. He's a good friend of mine. I heard that one. I was uh, I was actually you know kind of like uh, pleasantly surprised to hear uh, War Fever going acoustic. <laughs> oh, you heard that? Yeah, they dude, they sounded good, bro. I kind of compared them to you know Tim McElrath a little bit. He's got that rasp. Yeah, BJ got that like. Uh, hot water music-y kind of rasps going on, you know? He really does, yeah. I, I I love to to push bands to do that, you know, like the undertaking, more hardcore, quote-unquote, bands to sort of mellow out, calm down a little bit, and grab an acoustic guitar. <laughs> it's a fun way to, to test your test your musical boundaries, and or at least your talent's boundaries, but yeah, it kind of, it kind of sounded cool. Yeah, right on. Thanks a lot, buddy, and thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Sure. Dogwood, such a, a, a big name locally, man. Um, what years were you guys active? Um, well, I started 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 at, right out of high school and and um, say '94, and then um, I think had you know kind of just San Diego peak, you know, kind of until about I guess until about 2004 would be like the main the main so '94 to 2004 would be the main big uh, years for for our albums and touring and stuff like that. Wow! In those ten years, what what are some highlights? What are some uh, fun tours that you did, and who'd you tour with? 
I mean, Canada and Alaska are amazing places to, to tour of just obviously for the visuals and for the, I mean, the, the scene, the scene was pretty cool up there too. Like the, it's almost like when a place is more, I guess, more desperate to see a concert because they don't get a lot of shows as many as you get kind of jaded, I guess, in a major city like San Diego or LA, this show is available to you every night at multiple venues. We're like, eh, right. I'll catch it. I'll catch this show. But when you go to a place where like <laughs> there's one venue and there's touring bands, maybe twice a week or something like that, you know, it's a lot more. Um, it, I mean, that's just kind of what I, I saw when we were going through these places like wow these people are really hungry for this right. show <laughs> yeah that must have been very cool man did you have a band back in the day that you would sort of uh hit the road with on a consistent basis or not on necessarily on a consistent basis but we we would hook up with a lot of people around the country and i mean we did tour with um from san diego with like pod and in, in the early days and then so we've always been good friends with them and stayed in touch and stuff like that um but then you know we connect with other label mates um, when we were on Tooth and Nail Records, um, so we toured Canada with a Canadian band, Canadian punk band, and then uh, we would never, we we were never like on on the Warp tour because we were always on tour in the summer. But we'd kind of be like following them. So if, if their bands had one-off shows in different cities, we'd be like, you know, one day behind the Warp tour or something like that, so we could catch up with bands like Strung Out and all the fat records bands and stuff like that. We did play a lot with them when they came into San Diego. Wow. That was cool. Yeah. Very cool. Tooth and nail was good to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. We had, a, we had a good, good run with them. I'm always interested in hearing how, how a local band can kind of take it to that next level. I guess, you know, partnering up with uh, bands like POD certainly didn't hurt. <laughs> yeah. I mean, definitely San Diego has always had a, a, a really good scene in different ways, you know, like, you know, starting from long before we were a band, you know, um, so I still have some of the good, some of the good San Diego scene records of the different genres of like No Knife and Rocket Smith and stuff like that. Or right. We never really played with them per se, but we, you know, we can kind of be professionally, professional friends or some, you know, stuff like that just from being around the scene. And now that everyone's older and more mature, it's kind of like everyone can just hang out at the same time like at the cab bar or soda bar just because we're all, we're all just around, not right. really competing for San Diego Music Awards or anything like that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you nailed it. I know. I get that vibe. You're older with a different perspective. And I feel like, you know, in the in the 90s, it was a little more competitive. I mean, maybe we were just younger. It was, yeah, it was, it was all that. It was, uh, I'm not a very competitive person by nature, I guess. But I think people, when they're trying to be professional musicians or professional anything, you're re- you're achieving, you're trying to achieve a certain goal or status, whether that's the San Diego Music Award or a Grammy or just um, the, 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 what's it called, like headlining at SOMA or anything like that. So right. there's got to be a little, a little bit sense of that. But I was, I was always more like, let's just all do it together and build up the scene together, you know? Um, that's rad. And I think that's how we kind of stayed or remained friends with the bands like Pivot and Unwritten Law and the, you know, all this kind of San Diego punk bands, like you said, Agent 51 and everybody you know on the list yeah you shouted out pivot i mean i think they just did a reunion tour i ran into those guys at uh uh, hindsight the hourly studios recently i've had scott russo on a couple times he's he's doing well he's down there in mexico uh quarantined They're, they're good guys they are I mean, Unwritten Laws in my top five for sure, not only because of uh, the fact that they're from San Diego, just legendary, incredible songwriter. Yeah, I mean, there's so many good bands in San Diego, even still, you know, playing, obviously, you know, 
bands like Switchblade are still doing really well, and um, they're always the, the, the nicest guys. And um, you know, Under in Law and um, uh, Boss Fight, and um, right on, yeah. You know, fun to see. Yeah. And then it's fun to see like all the different side projects of all the different band members, you know. <laughs> yeah. You know, whatever. Anything, anything John Reese is doing, or um, I got the latest like Hot Snakes record when they just did something, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Still, still a thriving scene in a lot of aspects. Absolutely, it really is, man. I feel like I'm a lot more involved with it now than I was as a kid. You know, I played in Fat Chance. I don't know if you remember that band. We were yeah, yeah, right out of high school, dude. And again, we played together Main Stage Soma. It was fun. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I'm a little more focused in my older, in my, in my old gray years. <laughs> we matured and got crazier. Yeah. Something dude on what I want to do. And, uh, it's cool to catch up with guys like you, man. And, and other locals that really had a, a great name, uh, here in San Diego and just kind of chat with you a little bit more. That's really all we're doing right now. Typically I have bands over to my house. I have a palapa, like a tiki hut. You may have seen that, but uh, the, the, the wife's a little, a little paranoid right now with all the COVID-19. So we're just kind of doing phone calls, but yeah, I got to respect that. Um, well, I'll have to come over sometime and, you know, do some acoustic jams with you. I would love that. Once this passes, I would really love to have you. And we still do have a Palapalooza pool party uh, scheduled with a few uh, bands scheduled to play. There you go. July 11th. So I'll shoot you an invite. Our own version of punk rock bowling. Exactly. Uh, But at your house. Yes, dude. I know. (laughs) I've had a couple parties and uh, we shot a music video back here. So it'd be cool to have you over and just kind of chill, man. Um, For sure. I can can be the chef. Is that your your profession? Yeah, that's that's what I do full time. You're a chef. Where, where do you work? Mm-hmm. I work at Harvest Kitchen. It's a, like a local boutique catering company, a food truck. Dude. So, but, but I do, and I do instruction. I do culinary instruction for different schools and programs and stuff like that. So I like okay. to just have fun and, you know, at different locations and especially pool parties like yours. Wow. <laughs> you are hired, bro. My new main thing that I like to do. So taking my, putting my careers together is to do actual music and food and beverage pairings. Like put them all together. There you go. Or, you know, even like food trucks at these breweries and stuff, you know, or something like that. So that's kind of how I got, you know, I, I connected with Nick on Mainsail because I, I had him, I did a couple of events up at Escondido Brewing and I was like, hey, I know you're local up here. Why don't you come and play at, the, at my at my food event? And then so we wow. kind of just did stuff. And then at the end, I, I sang a couple songs of the month, you know, on the, over the PA and stuff. With Mainsail? Yeah. A couple covers or what? We, we did, yeah, covers. We did some covers, a couple of effects songs and stuff. That's cool. How, <laughs> how can people uh, reach you if they're interested in, in hiring you for, for their event or, or for a show? I just get call, give them my number. I'm just kidding. <laughs> if you want. But no, I'm, I'm, all, I'm on Instagram, Josh Kemp, and then, um, or Harvest Kitchen, Harvest Kitchen on Instagram. It's a good way to, best way to reach me, probably. Yeah. Cool, brother. Fine. Let's do a quick uh, segment of rapid fire with you, okay? I'll just shoot some random questions at you. Sounds good. What's the first concert you attended? Santana at the San Diego Sports Arena. Santana, nice. Very cool. I was six. Six years old. Shout out to the parents, huh? (laughs) My mom was uh, somehow a backstage person. Was she really? Wow, she was involved there somehow, huh? She was a party animal, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) What's your personal biggest musical influence, man? 
You you write a lot of the music for Dogwood, right? I I, I actually did like an equal amount of writing. Um, everyone in the band kind of uh, had their hand at writing some of the a lot of the music and, and lyrics, so I didn't have to do all the work. It was it was a pretty good deal for me. It's always um, good. Like our drummer Russ actually played wrote some music and and lyrics, and then our guitar player Sean wrote, wrote music and lyrics. So sometimes, yeah, I, but we all had a good part in that. Awesome. But as as far as the influence is concerned, I like I'm more I more like kind of like I guess the be more hardcore punk than, than versus pop punk, I guess. So right. like stuff like Good Riddance or Black Flag instead of, say, instead of like Ramones or, uh, you know, other pop stuff. I get that, man. What's your favorite song by Dogwood? We'll play that. We'll play a little snippet right now. Uh, what's the song that you're most proud of? <laughs> um, I did like a we, I did like Flowers Soon Die. It was a, we did it more on a on a on a best of compilation. This is the end of the end of beginning is near. That's what they told us for thousands of years. Why would you not believe? It was a pretty fun time. We recorded. It was one of the last recording sessions that was ever at Golden Track Studio, um, where <laughs> yeah. on Oklahoma Boulevard. Steve Weatherby. Yeah, it was, but this is with uh, this is with Sam Bucus. Okay. And he, he was he was there and then, you know, next thing you know, now now Golden Shrek Studio all oh, that location is a coffee shop. So I go in there sometimes and reminisce. Right, do you? <laughs> do you? yeah. That song kinda has a good a lot of meaning meaning for me in the in the sense of nostalgia. Yeah, good old Golden Track, man. That's where Fat Chance recorded eight thousand dollars for a ten a ten track album back in nineteen ninety eight. So yeah, that seems I mean, I don't know if that's affordable by today's standards or not compared to what you can do on your computer, but right. it's a fun, Golden Track was awesome. Like just the whole idea of it, you know, the yeah. the old house and the tape, the reel-to-reel and the <laughs> dark yeah. rooms. Yeah. A legendary spot here in uh, San Diego for sure. Legendary. What's your favorite local venue, dude? Local venue. I really like, I really like Soda Bar and Brick by Brick. There you go. I mean, of course, Casbah, but that's kind of like a echelon, you know? Right. Yeah. Soda bar and brick by brick because you can. It's very, very up close and personal with the with the stage. You know, of course, like kind of like the Casbah, but yeah. And then just the fun, good, good vibe. Well, heavier music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely brick uh, brings in the the metal bands for sure, and a little more, <laughs> a little more hardcore. Yeah. You know, uh, the owner is uh, the guitarist for As I Lay Dying. From from what I understand, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the drummer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we checked in with Tim Mays and Corey Steyer, the owner of the Soda Bar for Palapalooza, and uh, just go to their websites right now and buy merch to help them out. And uh, you can also go to saveourstages.com and uh, contact the legislators to sort of fund these smaller venues. But yeah, small venues are hurting right now. I know we got to support any way we can. Worst mishap at a show, dude. Looking back at your 10-year stint with uh, Dogwood. <laughs> Worst mishap. Uh, <laughs> I remember there was a, one time Sean fell off stage in Florida. <laughs> we touring. That's always bad. And <laughs> he, I think we were opening up for Yellow Card. And wow. uh, he, got up, he got up and we were, he was playing a song with the band we were touring with. And he just kind of d- took a step back and fell right off the stage. Wow. Um, <laughs> so that's never fun. And then... Uh, one time I did, I stage dove at the glass house in Pomona and, um, kind of sprained. So we thought we, I thought I killed, had killed somebody in the audience, but I ended up just, I sprained the neck. Holy shit. <laughs> yeah. It, and, and we didn't really know what happened, but the, the boyfriend was like, Hey, I think you just killed my girlfriend or something like that. He said it something like really nonchalant like that. Like, 
So you had to kind of stop the show and find every find out and you know make sure she's not dead. Yeah, the paramedics came. She was okay, but we had she had sprained her neck. So wow, you know she got a lot of free merch. That's a great mishap. I think that's one of the better ones on uh, the podcast. <laughs> Almost killing someone. Yeah, I was a pretty I was a pretty pretty avid stage diver. Uh, I didn't, I used to flip flip into the crowd when it, when it was a good enough crowd. I flip into the crowd, but that time I landed too hard on somebody, and I was very sorry. Wow, man, good shout out. Yeah, you mentioned Yellow Card. Did you play multiple shows with them? Yeah, we. I mean, we played. I mean, Sean from our guitar player ended up being. He was. He ended up being in Yellow Card. That's right. After a while. Yeah. But we used to play with. Uh, you know, one of our best shows at Soma, with touring bands was with Melancholy and Tenth Pole. Wow. I remember. Uh, I just remember like Soma had that installed that on the side stage. They had installed that um, that like a bar. It was this. This was at the Metro Street. Yeah. Soma, and mm-hmm. then. Um, the uh, this guy, the Viking Mike security guard, like you know, long ponytail security guard guy, was trying to like pick up the pole that people were breaking because there was everyone was trying to rush the stage when Melancholy was playing, and like, two there's of course too many people in the concert. Len kept inviting in extra hundreds of people to watch the show, you know, whatever. <laughs> the good old days. <laughs> he was trying to, so they had one security guard at the stage trying to like push back the whole crowd. It was pretty, it was pretty epic. That's rad, dude. How did you guys get connected up with with all of those bands besides having like a great sound? I don't know. Every once in a while, sometimes when we were at, back in the early days, we would just actually call the bands or call their manager and say, "Hey, you know, if you're coming through town, here, here's what we are and sound like." I guess we had some similar sounds to some of those bands. Right on. And um, we didn't really have demos to send them or anything like that, but we had enough of a following, I guess, in San Diego that they they had had heard of us or. Um, also, you know, we we had been playing at Soma for we used to. It almost it was almost like our uh, our weekly gig was that one show at Soma at least or something like that for a while. <laughs> so right. Len, Len could put us on. Len could have us opening a side stage show or a main stage show with uh, no use for a name or something. So wow, it was just it was just fun to be on that list of local bands who could play. You know, we didn't always get the bill. There was obviously a lot of good San Diego punk bands at the time that could fill our spot, of course. But we're always honored and stoked to play with those guys, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. When's the last time you were at Soma? Um, Not too long ago. I've been to the the one in the the movie theater now. Um, I saw After Drive In there recently, and Azalea Dying's kind of comeback show that was there. Who else was there? I've seen um, Hot Water Music was there. They were pretty awesome. They they did a big big side stage show. Wow. I kind of like the side stage there better than the, the huge stage. Yeah. yeah, it's a big room, man. I saw Rise Against and um, Four Years Strong there. Yeah. Within the last five years or so, yeah. Yeah, I think they're serving alcohol now, huh? Is that is that due to Live Nation sort of taking it over, or what's going on there? Do you know? I think that's the latest uh, development there. Is just, Crazy. You know, just trying to land, trying to figure out new ways to stay stay alive and relevant in the scene, you know, keep the name Soma name going. Yep, Soma, such a legendary spot. I think of Nick Lenari and his uh, Soma tattoo. I'm sure you've seen that, yeah. right? <laughs> That's dedication. <laughs> yeah, it is. Best frontman in history? I think that I really like watching Refused. And, you know, he's, he's doing like disco moves in a full three-piece suit. 
stuff like that, you know. Um, and, and he's still doing a hardcore. Davey from AFI does a really good job. Of course. Crowd. Yeah. Um, just kind of has him in the palm of his hands, and he's still a wild, wild monkey on stage, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> and then I saw, you know, who I, I saw Gorilla Biscuits at the the what's it called? Uh, Ironic. Yeah. Before they got closed down, um, yeah. and that was, I mean, of course, that's a different kind of lead singer legendary status because he doesn't really have to sing much he can just put the microphone out but um that was pretty cool because he didn't care how many people were on stage and he's just still doing his thing and he's like you know all very inclusive with everybody in the audience that you know um i just always try to be wild and crazy on stage and if someone wanted to sing let give him the opportunity to sing you know sing along because they paid to be there. I might as well get a good, have a good time, you know? Yeah. No, I love that mindset, man. Interact as, as much as possible and make it a fun show. That's kind of why I like the smaller venues with the stage stage accessibility versus the barrier. We played at the observatory not too, like a couple of years ago, and it was, it was a little bit far from the crowd for my liking, but it was, it was I, I still made it happen. Yeah. I saw uh, AFI at the observatory, and the first thing Davey Havoc did was do a front flip into the crowd. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, he's he's a he's a good jumper. He's a good jumper. He's got the jumps. Yeah, he's a good jumper. What's your biggest pet peeve when playing a show? Pet peeve, I guess when the if the uh, stage or sound man is not paying attention and something goes wrong, and he's trying to like <laughs> wave somebody down to like plug something back in or you know set something down or you know just if there's if people aren't doing their job when they're right. supposed to be kind of ru- ruining the experience for for people. Um, that's, that's one, I guess, cause that doesn't happen super often, but that's more in like little podunk cities across the country. Right. You know? Um, <laughs> yeah. another one I think is when the opening band takes, takes longer than their set time. Yeah. We get that a lot. It's hard to just get, you know, get back from that. Cause then it kind of ruins it, ruins it for everybody. Right. Unless of course, you know, they're, they've been given permission. Yeah. But that's, that's what, that was always a challenge. Especially if they have to cut you off at the at the end, you're headlining. They have to cut you off because of the time. Well, yeah, I, I totally get it. Especially if you're headlining, you know, quote unquote, which is you know playing last, which always isn't always the best time slot. Uh, exactly, <laughs> it, it pushes you that much further back and and later. So that's what I mean, even for the Casbah bands, if your your set is like the last set and some people are already tired at midnight, you know, and yeah, because somebody went too long in the beginning, right. We like to bitch and complain here on the podcast a little bit, you know? It's all right. <laughs> oh, unreal. Yeah, I typically don't get to do that, so it's interesting <laughs> to hear the questions, you know? yeah. I'm always, like, trying to think positively and build up the other musicians. I'm like, oh, yeah, there are a couple things, I guess. <laughs> yeah. No. I guess people, you know, backstabbing one another in the scene or whatever is never going to go away. The, yeah, the backstabbing, that's funny you mentioned that. Um, I bring that up a lot, and... Uh, it's it feel I feel like it's changed a little bit, right? The scene maybe a little less competitive, a little more supportive. Yeah, I think it. No, I think it is more supportive now because hopefully everyone's mature now and maybe maybe doing some different businesses at the same time, like you know different careers. So the music is more of a, a a second, you know, a first 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 love, but now it's more of not not it's not as full time. So there's not necessarily a need to, you know. I guess be the best or whatever. Yeah, totally. There are still those kids out there rocking though, you know, those 18 year olds uh, on stage at Soma. Well, yeah, you still got good, huge bands like Pierce the Veil doing good things for San Diego. Right. You know, 
and and um, just just uh, keeping the music scene alive. I felt like we kind of dogwood in a sense kind of passed the torch along to the next generation of bands to do good things. You know, right? Not that we were not that we were like trailblazing or anything like that, but like we. You know, we definitely knew some of those bands when they were kids. There was a time that I was fine. I swear everything was fine. It just covered all the lies. I didn't know that everything would change. What's a five-year goal for you, you and your music? I think just uh, maybe maybe seeing one of my records come out on, on vinyl, like a re-release and remastering it would be one thing. Awesome. Because there's been some interest. Um, and then, uh, yeah, just going out on top. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's this? The new project that you mentioned? Oh, uh, Saint Didicus. He's actually he's actually the patron saint of San Diego. There you go. Okay. So I kind of just any any kind of music that I'll put out at least on my own or with somebody, you know, have that moniker on it. Dope, man. Do you have plans or aspirations to get anything out under Saint Didicus here within the next few years? Or <sighs> yeah, I always got I always got some songs in the works. You know, just depend. Um, we got some we got some uh, tracks almost finished actually. Um, so hopefully we'll see the light, those will see the light of day and then, um, you know, figure out a way to figure out a way to get them beyond band camp and more onto something tangible or even streaming, you know? Right. Do you think that's still important, uh, for bands these days to, to press CDs and, and vinyl? I just, I just really like the tangibility of having a, a big, you know, record in front of your face or on your, on your speakers. Sure. Um, just more of the experience, the audio experience of not being able to skip a track, you know? Right, as well as easy as just kind of having that power to skip a track on, on streaming is, it's a good and a bad thing, I guess. But like you don't, I it's you we lose the experience of the start to finish record of you know the way the artist intended. Right. No, exactly. I agree a hundred percent. We've had this conversation before. I mean, Spotify obviously arranges the tracks based on streams and they have their algorithms so they kind of screw everything up in in a sense huh <laughs> it, it can be a good thing and a bad thing but like i said if the artist intended for a whole an album to be cohesive then it's right it'd be a, a a good service to do to listen to an album from front to start at least once give it give it at least once you know right what are your thoughts on Spotify, man? I mean, not to sound like old old grandpas here or anything, but uh, I think the gist is that it it gives bands exposure, but for the most part, it's it's kind of ripping them off, right? I think so. Yeah, if I, you know, um, I mean, they don't. I'm not getting paid like a dollar a song or whatever when it streams. Right. So if, maybe if they were if they were better, maybe to the artists than to the stockholders. It'd be awesome. Like uh, something, somebody like uh, an, uh, a company like Bandcamp, who's who oftentimes will just waive their fees, you know, so that artists can have all the money. Is that's like that seems like the the ethic, the ethos that I I like is this like, hey, if you're all if you really are all about the artist, then you'll do stuff like this, you know. Yeah. Spotify doesn't seem to be about the artist necessarily at all. You know, they're just more of a service that gets stuff out to your ears. Um, you know. Yeah. Like they're just a big business really that's on the on the stock market. So it's hard to say that they're on your side, you know? Right. But, but it does make it easy for people to hear, hear your music. So there are, there are some benefits to it. Um, but like I said, it's not a good, it's not a, uh, it's not the best thing out there for musicians. Right. I try not to hate on it too much because like you said, it, it does get bands out there and it gives them exposure. And uh, as a, as a user of Spotify, I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? I can just look up any band in the world, dude, and I can tell Alexa to play any song in the world. Yeah, and it's convenient. It's just crazy where, where we've come. It is super convenient. Um, 
But then I hear about them, you know, we could get into an in-depth conversation on this regarding advertising mm-hmm. and, and return, you know, but right. you hear that they pay Joe Rogan $100 million. I just heard that yesterday. Yeah, I just heard that. And it's like, dude, how about start paying musicians maybe a, a penny per stream? Because <laughs> I think right now it's point zero zero three or something. I think it takes like uh, 100, 100 streams to make one penny or something like that. Right. Per song. So if you're listening, go put, just go put Dogwood on repeat. You know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's a numbers game, dude, with Spotify. You know, you get a million and maybe you get uh, a few thousand bucks or something, right? Who knows? Yeah, maybe Joe Rogan will say something to the effect of go support the artist and go listen to blah, blah, or whatever. Maybe he'll change the game. Maybe. Uh, by having musicians on, on his podcast. I don't know. Maybe he'll use that money for good. Yeah. <laughs> Doubtful, but hey, we'll stay optimistic. Who knows? I guess Spotify will be offering and streaming video. Is that right? Yeah, they're 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 progressing. Uh, I think in the right direction. I would just like to see them support artists more. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because then it's not like it's not like they support Taylor Swift or Kanye West. They just support them because they're making them money. Right. You know, those those are the money makers. Those are, they're probably getting tons of royalties because they get lots of streams and all that. You know, bigger bands, Nirvana, Blink, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Which is fine, but Spotify is not really supporting them per se they're artists are supporting spotify good perspective man i figured you'd have some answers for me (laughs) (laughs) we'll do a quick uh, dream segment with you josh and then i'll let you go buddy um if you could tour with any current band who would you pick Ooh, a current band i think it'd be i think it'd be rad to watch i think it'd be rad to watch uh hot water music play every night there you go and um and and now, honestly, Rage Against the Machine, um, I never got to see them play, so I wouldn't mind you know, witnessing some of that action. Right. Jump on stage with them. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> That'd be, it just seems like it'd be so crazy. Right. No, legends. I mean, they were all scheduled to tour, too, and they had to cancel. Yeah. So many, so many canceled tours. We had a ticket for uh, you know, the big Green Day, Fall Out Boy, and Weezer show at Petco Park oh, yeah. in July. And that, I think that was July, right? That got canceled. Everything canceled. Yep. 2020 sucks. <laughs> <laughs> if you won the lottery tomorrow, what's the first thing you'd buy? Maybe I would buy Spotify. Yes. <laughs> I love it. And my own Popeye's chicken. That's your spot, huh? I don't know. It just seems like, you know, that sounds really good right now. <laughs> if you could bring a musician back from the dead for one final concert, who would you pick? Nice. Um, well, I would love to. I would love to see Dave Grohl drum in Nirvana. Yes. So Kurt Cobain would be. It would be a fun one. Right. Um, that's just more from. That's just more like from kind of from my youth. You know, like first getting into the music and stuff like that. Nirvana played it. To me, they were a punk band more than a grunge band. Sure. And um, yeah, I I loved seeing footage of him j- jump diving into the drums and. All that kind of stuff. So yeah, great answer. I think that would be my solid answer today. Right on, brother. Big Foo Fighters fan. I love them. Yeah, I saw. I got to see them a few times. Um, play. They, Dave. Dave Grohl. I've I've uh, served him at, at when he comes into town. Wow. Um, just just always solid solid record. Yeah. Nice dude. You know, um, does a lot for the community, music community, and and he's good to his mother. Yeah. Seems to be a good guy. I mean, honestly, yeah. from everything I've heard and all of his quotes and everything. I like the Foo Fighters a lot always, too, because they were um, they were Sunny Day real estate band, you know? Right. 
So that was always a good draw going from Sunday to real estate. I'm like, whoa, what are they doing now? Oh my gosh, this is pretty fun music. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think he's just so unique in his transition, you know, Mm -hmm. from Nirvana to, I I can't really think of anyone else that's done it as well as, as he has, especially coming from a drummer to a front man, dude. I I don't think that's been done. (laughs) Well, yeah. And all his, all his music collaborations, and you know, like, and I'm not trying to say that Foo Fighters is all about Dave Grohl, you know, because they're all really good musicians. But he does a lot of really cool collaborations with his other bands and stuff too. That are all, they're actually really good. Yeah, cool, brother. Let's hate on some music for just one moment. Uh, if you could wave a magic wand and make one band never exist, who would it be? <laughs> uh, I would just say some current current stuff on the radio right now, like Body Rich. Um, you know, the stuff that's on some of the hip hop stations, like. Uh, or, you know, what's his name? Like 6 9 That's not even how you say his name. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> that yeah, kind of music is know. like, oh, well. Um, yeah. Why, you know? Why? <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun to, you know? Just, I would just like that to go away, you know? Because I'm a big fan of rap and hip-hop, but that's just really annoying. No, I hear that. I've been doing polls on my Instagram story on Palapalooza that have been a lot of fun. I'll put a band up there and I'll just put yes or no. Oh, yeah. You know, people can vote. And uh, this yesterday, I just started doing hip hop. So I brought it back, you know, Tupac, Biggie, they're all getting love. Uh And then, you know, I I threw in some currents like Drake, uh, Yellow Wolf, and they're just all getting hated on. And it's just sort of an interesting sample of, of how... You know, maybe popular music isn't quite as liked or, or or welcomed. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's just a sign of the times that generationally, you know, also like, I mean, because there's like, I don't know, but maybe maybe the people who like Drake would would not like, you know, yeah, Tupac and Biggie. It's true. Because, you know, like it sounds it sounds it sounds blasphemous, but it's uh, that you know, because Drake has a totally different sound than those guys. Yeah. You know. Or like NWA versus the guys that I said, you know, stuff like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. Who knows? Yep, no, I hear you. I, I have faith in in my audience, though, man. I put up several different, you know, classic rock bands, uh, including like Nirvana, Green Day, uh, Zeppelin, you know, all the greats, and. You're never going to get everyone to agree on one band. Everyone's, you know, every band, including Green Day, got no's. Uh, including Nirvana, you know, a couple knows. But there was one musician uh, that got 100% yes on our poll. And can you guess who that is? He peaked in the 70s, you know, more of a 70s, 80s songwriter. Definitely a good songwriter. Kenny Loggins. Kenny Loggins. No, I should add him though, dude. And he was definitely an 80 guy, 80s guy. I should add him on there and see. <laughs> People, everyone probably likes him without even knowing Right, I know. Have you seen Caddyshack? Have you seen Top Gun? <laughs> exactly. Everything. Footloose. Yeah, he was the movie guy, dude. Yeah. He was all the movie themes. I mean, there's some there's I think there's a lot of beloved seventies and eighties like musicians, say like even like say like Michael Jackson, Neil Young, you know. People are gonna be like, Yes. You know, <laughs> he got, you know, I want to say like 95%, Michael. Um, but there was one that got 100, and I was really happy to hear this. It was Elton John. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know what that, what that tells us. Yeah. He's just an, a legendary sound and voice and uh, songwriter, you know? Yeah. Interesting. I'd be interested to hear what people think about the Eagles. The Eagles. Did I put them on there? I did. I did. I don't remember the numbers. I want to say it was maybe 
85, 15. So like people probably know all their songs. Like, you know, there's other artists that people, you know, the songs right. like, I played a David Bowie playlist for somebody and they're like, he wrote this? This is David Bowie? Oh my gosh, I knew this song too. Like, right? They didn't, they didn't know it was Bowie. Josh Kimball, Dogwood, nice talking with you, my friend. Uh, any message to the San Diego music scene? Man, stay, I would say try to try to stay positive. It's probably going to, we'll be back at a concert soon. And any of the musicians that own local businesses around San Diego, like Heartwork Coffee or Brick by Brick or Soda Bar, we got to support those businesses so that we can continue to see a music scene thrive in our city. I know a lot of people are, and I'll say it again, you know, go to the venue's websites and uh, buy up merchandise that's coming directly from a couple owners. You know, that does help. If everyone in San Diego that's a part of the music scene were to go to their favorite venue and buy a shirt, that's going to help them out a lot right now. Exactly. That's an easy way to do it right now. Josh, nice uh, catching up with you, dude. Legendary band Dogwood here in San Diego. Nice to chat, bro. You as well. Thanks. Nice talking with you, Josh. He was cool enough to send over an acoustic track, a Dogwood original, Conscience in a Cave, performed under his new name, St. Didicus. Enjoy. I have no conscience, I have compassion 
two, three, four. Palapalooza, Palapalooza, we're talking to you. I'm Palapalooza. Woo! Word!